that you're born an Italian If you want your life to be great See that you're born an Italiano And your life will be great Welcome back, everybody, to another episode of the Italian American Podcast. I'm John Viola. Early apologies for the way my voice sounds today. I am suffering from a seasonal cold. I, I assure you all out there in podcast land, that's all I have is a very bad head cold. But uh, we had a couple episodes that we had recorded prior, some of which I sound like a normal person, some of which I sound like this, and decided that we wanted to have a little bit of a conversation before anything else about the week that has passed this week. So right now... We're going to have a little bit of time, myself and uh, a lady that I have been friends with for a long time, partners with on this amazing venture, and who's really become like my family. And everybody on this platform knows her better than most because she is one of the co-founders of the Italian American podcast, my friend, Ms. Dolores Alfieri Taranto. So, come on, it's just me and you right now, which is uh, a rare interlude. It's true. I feel like the parents got a night to go out to dinner. (laughs) I'm glad Pat doesn't listen to this. That's fantastic news. (laughs) Yeah, it does feel a little bit like that, right? It's like, we oh, so we can actually have a conversation? (laughs) As I'm doing this, I'm thinking to myself, it's going to be a lot less editing when it's just her and I talking about uh, this kind of stuff. So, (laughs) Yeah, I mean, obviously, you started this platform with Anthony. I think I was on your fifth or sixth episode, right? Yeah, early on. Mm -hmm. Met you really, really early on. Yeah. But right now, this conversation is partially two friends and partners and partially sort of interviewer and subject because, you know, for better or worse, you've been the subject of a lot of conversation this week, which has then spilled over into what we do here at the podcast. And I just thought, you know, we've spent so much time over the years. I know you and Anthony before the rest of us got here and now all of us, we're always sensitive to this thin veil as best we can preserve it between our personal and professional lives and then the show and the platform. And this week, those things sort of all opened up to spill into one another. And, you know, you and I were talking a lot, obviously, and agreed that it was an important topic for us to at least address here. So I want to talk a little bit about your work life and what happened this week with your job as the Italian-American Affairs Liaison at the State of New York and I don't know, some of the things that came up for both of us because we've been going back and forth so much. You know, for those that are unaware, Dolores spent the past four years, I guess it was, right? 2017 you started? Yep. Mm -hmm. Yep. Four years as the Italian-American Affairs Liaison at the State of New York, hired under the Cuomo administration and then obviously continuing into Governor Hochul's administration here, which has just started. And uh, last week, the position was initially eliminated And then once the community found out, particularly here in the state of New York, but really all over the country, that there was no longer going to be an Italian-American affairs liaison in New York, there was a massive reaction in the community, which, you know, here behind the scenes, we were obviously well aware of and learning about because I was getting calls. I know you were getting calls. We were all getting calls about this. And then uh, after a lot of community reaction, the governor's office has decided that they are going to fill the position, which didn't exactly seem like their intention to begin with. And and I know how you struggled with whether or not you should actually address this stuff. And uh, I think it's safe to say the reason you decided to address it, and, and again, pulled back that veil, was because the earliest impressions that all of us got from different sources was there was no intention to fill this position. And 
Italian Americans represent, for those who self-identify, which means have some Italian ancestry, somewhere between 12 to 15% of the state of New York, which is the largest ethnic group in the state. And I think that's what kind of fueled all of this, like, it's okay to respond, right? The idea that this is the largest ethnic group in the state and was going to be treated as if it wasn't really, right? Is that fair to say? Yeah, I think you, I mean, you summed it up very, very well. Um, yeah, there was a lot in there. So there's like the, the facts and then me getting involved and speaking up. Um, you know, I, if people have been listening to the show, they know a lot about me and a lot about my life. And if you follow me on Instagram, I share things, but I think people don't understand that there's also a lot you don't share. Yeah. That, you know, social media and even a podcast, it's not biography, it's, it's memoir, you know, yeah. you choose what you're sharing and it might come as a surprise. It might not. Like I'm actually a pretty private person. Yeah. I don't want to be the center of a new story. <laughs> right. So I know, I know you don't, I, yeah, I, I can tell like, you the I, private Dolores that I talk to every day does not want to be the center of a new story. I know that. Right. Correct. So this was just wild and it came out of nowhere really because you know i had known for a while and you knew because i would talk to you i mean you knew before anyone that this was coming because i i called would call you and say yeah. they're getting rid of the position yeah i knew the position was going to be eliminated for some time and if you're in my personal life you knew that as well i was talking to my you know my family my closest friends and i actually had received official word a little while before it hit the news. The news made it seem like, you know, I, I got fired that day and the story hit the press and it's right. not what happened. Right. I mean, the story was in the news for like three days. Yeah. I think even more, plus, just, yeah. which is, which is crazy. And if you read the first story that broke, I declined to comment because I thought let them just write their story yeah. and it'll go away. And that's it. And I can go on with my life. I have to move on to the next phase. I knew this was coming, but then what happened really was that the administration was feeling the heat and they put out a different story than the true story. <laughs> yeah, I think that they interpreted it in a way that at least from my experience with you and, and, and my advice to you as a friend was that like, you know, if you don't participate in this conversation, it's going to read differently than it actually happened. And I think it's safe to say, I could say this about you, you know, like you're not here. In our conversations, I know you well enough. Like you said, you don't want to be the center of a story. And frankly, you know, your position as an Italian-American affairs liaison, any ethnic affairs liaison, is an appointee. You serve at the will of a governor. You knew the administration changed. That's not the story here. You know, that the story here is the suggestion that your position didn't need to exist. And when that started to become in question in the media, I think that's when it became clear that for the community's sake, you needed to say something because plenty of ethnic affairs commissioners will come and go. It's the right of a new governor to appoint who they want to serve in those positions. You had no issue with that, right? If the word had been, okay, Dolores, you know, you were hired by the last person in this chair, and now we're going to bring somebody else on to do the job, that's okay. It wasn't about 
the position changing, right? Like, it wasn't about you losing the position. It was about there not being a position because, you know, look, you've been in this business long enough now, right? You've served in this role for four years. You understood that somebody like you serves at the will of the governor. That's an appointed position where it's natural for a new governor to want to appoint their own person. Had you been met with the conversation that said, like, hey, you know, look, no hard feelings, but we're going to bring a new person in, I think from our conversations, that would have been absolutely fine. Sure, it would mean right. you got to look for another income source, but at the yeah. same time, that's the nature of the beast. But when you encountered the sort of sentiment that this was a position that was just going to be eliminated and the intimation that it wasn't an important position, that's when you really do have to say something because that's the community being impacted, and I think very negatively, because it's an important position. I'll even like kind of be even more honest and say that I was ready to just walk away quietly. I mean, I had no intention of this becoming a story. I didn't go to the press. That's number one, because I don't want to be the subject of a story in the New York post. So I'm just going to go on with my life. I thought this is not a good decision, but I am not the governor. I am not the governor's team. I don't even want to be in politics. Yeah. I've been wanting to leave for a while and work on other things. So this is my moment. God saying, you're not going to go. It's time to go, right? Circumstances are making you go. And I thought, let the chips fall where they fall. And if the community cares, they'll let them know. If the community cares a little, eh, it won't really bother the administration. If the community cares a lot, it will, but it's not my problem anymore. Yeah. I'm like an anti-hero, you know, I'm not like, yeah. you know what I'm saying? Like, <laughs> yes. I don't want to, yeah. I don't even want to give myself that much credit. Yeah. And so that, that was that. And I'll, and I'll say that you make a good point, which is the issue wasn't about me. It was about the position, but really for me, it was the insinuation that they never intended to eliminate the position. Yeah. That was the problem. Yeah. Because also when they made that kind of statement or non-statement, they were, they were doing a very political, vague, not on the record comment that the position was quote vacant. Well, when you say a position's vacant, you're insinuating it's going to be filled. Right. And you're also insinuating that the person who had it last had to leave for reasons that reflect perhaps her performance. Uh, You know, was she connected to the scandal that brought down the previous governor because he appointed her? And that is a huge problem. That's a huge problem for me because, you know, that's my name. That's my reputation. I worked there for four years. I had absolutely nothing to do with the things that brought down Governor Cuomo. It's ridiculous to insinuate it. It's almost laughable. I don't even want to bring it up. Yeah. But more so, I had been talking to the administration about possibly taking another position. Right. Because they didn't need my role anymore. Right. And let me say, because it's nice to have these conversations where we can pull back the veil and and be really honest about our relationships and how they intertwine personally, professionally, because I don't know if anybody knows that it was, I received a call when I was still at NIAF because I was at the largest organization in the country at the time from the Cuomo administration looking for candidates for this role. And I said, Oh, I have the perfect candidate. I work with her all the time. She's unbelievable. 
So, you know, I sort of sacrificed you to this world of politics in some way as a friend <laughs> and a colleague because I put your name forward. Yeah. And I think you have done more than availed my opinion of you in that you've did a phenomenal job for four years. Thank but you. my point is we've had this conversation for many years. You're not a politician. You had no intention of being uh, politically engaged like this. You, you know, it was not like this was a step into a career. This was, I want to serve my community. And, you know, I mentioned that in positions like yours, because there are multiple ethnic affairs liaisons for the state, you were hired when the position was revived. It had existed in the past. It's another thing that kind of bothered me about the media coverage. They intimated that Governor Cuomo had kind of made this up because he was Italian-American. But in fact, this is not an unprecedented position. It has existed in the past in New York. Because of the large community of Italian-Americans in the state. Right, we're the biggest ethnic group in the state by percentage. It exists in some capacity in other states. There's a full commission in Delaware, a commission in New Jersey. They're active and funded all year long, multiple commissioners. I don't even know other states that may or may not have Italian affairs commissions or liaisons or administrators or whatever it is, but this is not abnormal. And as I mentioned, yes, these are, in your case, an appointed position. But another thing about it that was kind of bothersome was none of the other ethnic affairs liaisons were being replaced, Correct. even though that is the norm when a new administration comes in. Right. Because this is an, obviously an odd transition for oh, yeah. Governor yeah. Hochul to sort of, you know, step up in this position with, after the scandal. So it also made it seem like there was some unique reason for the Italian affairs position to be, quote unquote, vacant. And that's bothersome because I know it's not about you or the job you did because I watched. I know from my perspective as a community activist, if you will, how much goodwill you had you built in the community and how well regarded you were in the position. So, and I knew as your friend that you know nothing personal happened. It was just like okay, this position's kind of not important anymore. Whether the intention was to ever replace it or not, I, we all have our own opinions. I, I I just don't think that that was the case. But that's why I felt it was important. And I know, and I can say about you to our audience, you know, even when I had my conversation with you, I said to you, hey, you know, I have many meetings every week with heads of the largest organizations in the country. Should I mention this? And you said, no. You said, don't mention it. If it happens naturally, people find out, they'll find out. And so I was taken aback and I was reacting to the fact that by the time this became public news, I was hearing it as if it was new news to me from leaders of the country's largest Italian-American organizations who were already responding to the elimination of the role and reacting towards the governor's office. So I was sort of pleased to see that while I had sat on this because of the sanctity of our private relationship and your wishes not to be sort of put out there, the reaction was really very intense within the community. I can say that people are really bothered by this. Yeah, this ticked a lot of people off. And I think one thing that should be noted is not only were the other liaisons to different communities not being replaced, their positions were not being eliminated. Right. That's the real heart of the story. Yeah. So you want to say Dolores did a bad job or Dolores is for whatever reason, I don't know, is it because I'm Italian and the previous governor was Italian? Is that the insinuation that we're too connected? I, I really don't even know. But if you even if you want to be honest and say that, then fill the position. Right. Right. Which they now say they're going to do. And so I and I have but even had- they're saying they're going to do it now because of the heat that they got. 
Yeah, of course. Yeah, and because I, I think that having followed the story on my own and watched the trajectory of it, of course, the administration has now come to this position of okay, we have to fill, and and I, I hope they're going to fill it really damn fast because they now have put themselves out there, and I can tell you. You know, again, because I've been involved with this stuff for so long. Now, I've gotten calls from many people, as you know, saying like, hey, you know, you got a candidate there because they really want to fill this thing. So now they're scrambling to do it, which is good, oh, yeah. which is which is a great outcome because it speaks to the whole sentiment, which is this has never been about you. This has been about this position right. and what it means. Um, can you kind of share a little bit with everybody? Because I think it's important what you feel after the four years, forget the way this thing ended, because like you said, this was not a dream job, right? Like other than the fact that you got to serve this community that for better or worse, all of us have just dedicated ourselves to for so long. Um, the actual political side of it and, and what it meant and the lapel pin and that, that's not your style, but you, you got to be proud of being the Italian American affairs liaison for four years and the stuff you've done. Just tell everybody why we have this, like what, what's important because I, that's something that's missed in all of this media stuff. You know, it, and it's going to lead to part of the conversation I want to have, which is some of the media reaction that we've dealt with recently mm. in kind of downplaying the importance of this role. But like, you know, you did a lot of stuff. I did. And I'm proud of that. And I'll always have that, you know, that the, the things that I accomplished for the community, I look, <clears throat> let me start again. I think I just got, little, I'm going to get like choked up. Listen, I'm the daughter of two illiterate immigrants from Southern Italy. You know, my father worked as first, you know, he made pizzas, then he raised us and fed us off of the landscaping business. My mother worked in the cafeteria at the local hospital so that we would have health insurance. I'm not going to say that it wasn't a source of pride to be appointed to a position in the highest office in the state of New York. It was, and I was proud of it, and my family was proud, and and rightfully so. It, it's not a position to sneeze at. Uh, my father passed away, as so many of our listeners know, more than a decade ago. He was very proud of his heritage. I know that this, this meant a lot to him, and if he had been here, he would have been talking about me to everyone <laughs> you know, to, to the guy at the grocery store checkout, right? Yeah. Oh, my daughter works for Cuomo, you know, like <laughs> yeah. he would, he, he, you know, regardless of whether he might've supported the governor's policies or not, you know, that, that really wasn't the point of this job for me at least. Um, and it really wasn't the point either for so many of my constituents. Yeah. The fact of the matter is that the governor understood that the Italian American community tends to lean more conservative in general. Yeah. And him being more liberal, that the community wasn't maybe going to support his policies per se. So he wanted to find common ground with them on their shared heritage. And you can say whatever you want about him. I'm not defending him. I no longer represent him. Like I have no, you know, skin in the game, nothing. Yeah. But he supported the Italians of New York yeah. in a way that probably I don't know that any other elected politician will. No, I agree with you. I don't think, I, I mean, look, this is not abnormal, right? When you have someone in political office 
who is a member of a community, they are oftentimes looked at as kind of having a double responsibility, right? Like they're responsible to their job description as the chief executive of a state in this case or city or whatever position or an elected official, a representative of some constituency and all of the issues that that geographic constituency faces. But when you are from an ethnic group that is seen as a self-identified and distinct ethnic group, which I think it's safe to say our community is, despite this entire case, right, which is kind of what this is about, um, you know, you're always seen as somehow being beholden to the interests of that group because you are one of them. And I think that that's okay because we still point out the ethnic background of a lot of our elected officials and they do engage on issues that come up for every ethnic group. And that's not going to change in a multi-ethnic, multicultural country. We are aware that our elected officials also have, in many cases, an ethnic identity that they respond to and that they think of and that, that they are concerned about. That's okay. That's not yeah. a bad thing. You know, I was just talking to a friend of mine who's Eritrean, and she was telling me how proud the Eritrean community is of their – they have a – a member of Congress, a Democrat from Colorado, who's a first-generation Eritrean-American. And she was saying, you know, doesn't matter that he's in Colorado. He's like a superstar to the Eritrean-American community. And that's good because think about how important people like Fiorella LaGuardia are yeah. to the history of our community, what they yeah. meant, what it meant to see somebody. in. All, so, you know, maybe we don't need it the same way other more recent groups do now. But, yeah, if you're elected, you kind of have to – you have to engage your own community because they expect it. Yes, exactly. And conversely, you just laid out the reason why this new administration felt it did not need it. Absolutely. Yeah. She's not Italian. Her administration's not Italian. This role isn't needed. That's what right. I was told. Yeah. And that's that's the tragedy of this whole thing. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. And it's going to lead to the conversation I, I kind of want to have, which is sort of a, a big one for us, which goes out of the comfort zone, which is how this reaction has been. Because as this story unfolded, you and I talked and said, look, you're going to make a statement. You've, you've had this platform for more years than you were at the governor's office, and it's an appropriate place to make your statement. And I thought you made a very, very thoughtful statement put out over our social media. And the reaction to it was wholeheartedly supportive every comment that we got was very very supportive and i thought the story was done there and i felt very good about that and then uh, i woke up saturday morning i guess to my news feed showing me that the story had been picked up on a showtime show called desus and miro which i have never heard of i must admit never i'm not a big Showtime person, uh, not a big TV person that way. And uh, they had utilized your story. Some producer, I guess, had brought it forward 
in part of their segment. These are two young guys from the Bronx who basically like make fun of and lampoon the news. And you were like the second piece of news that they addressed, and they just basically talked about old, tired stereotypes like, what does an Italian affairs liaison do? Check the meatballs and marinara sauce. And like, you know, they just basically used every old, ridiculous trope they could. Yeah. And I was outraged. And I think many people were. And we took the clip from the video, put it out there, and just said, like, this should not be allowed, right? In a time of well-warranted sensitivity to the ethnic makeup of this country, I don't care how assimilated we are. You can't just go on and talk about a community like they talked about us. It was just so lowbrow. It wasn't funny. And so we put that out there. And, uh, again, I would say 99% of the comments were great, and some of them were like, don't be so sensitive. You're all weak. You know, uh, uh, other groups have it worse than us. And I was like, it's not about how other groups have it. I don't understand how we in 2021 struggle to define ourselves. Like, it's just like we can't decide if we're really a distinct ethnic group anymore. And it makes this whole project and everything we do very difficult because. You know, I'm fine with the idea that people have different opinions. Our community is an opinionated one and not a particularly united one when it comes to politics or political leanings or, you know, you're going to get different opinions about everything. As Padawee says, how do you unite a people who can't agree on a meatball recipe? <laughs> I'm good with that. What I'm not good with is this, I don't know, it goes to the book like, you know, when did Italians become white? Like, mm-hmm. are we are we forgettable? Because at this point in our social history in the United States – Things have gotten easier and we have become more accepted in the mainstream. Like just because they now let us into the mechanisms of state and the, you know, the, the country clubs and this and that. Do we forget that a generation ago we weren't welcomed here? Do we forget that we are distinct? Do we forget that we do have issues that require political attention and require someone to liaise with a community, particularly in a state like ours, that has so many damn Italians? And, and, I, and I, I'm wrestling with this. And, and it's like, it's very, very hard to separate the professional and the personal from it. Well, you know, you noted that the reaction was overwhelmingly positive in terms of my statement. And I'm really grateful for the incredible support that I have been receiving. Um, you really realize how important community is at a moment like that. And I have to say that 995 percent of the reason this happened was because the new administration did not expect that. Yeah. The ability of the community to coalesce, organize, and vocalize itself caught them, I assure you, completely by surprise. Yeah. And in one way, I wanted the story to go away because I don't want to be, I don't want to be in the story. But I, I keep saying to you all week, I'm the sacrificial lamb. <laughs> yeah. Right. It's like I have to just offer myself up so that the state, maybe the country can see that we're still here and we still see ourselves overwhelmingly. Let's take this in parts. Right. Aside from the you know sliver you're talking about. We'll get back to that. We still see ourselves overwhelmingly as an ethnic group, as this certain culture with certain needs and a real history. And I think what this story really poked its finger into 
is this wound that's like a constant pushback that we get from larger society that wants to say to us, no, you're not, you're not, you're just white. Yeah. You're just, you're nothing Yeah. because you just don't exist anymore. Yeah. You don't, and you don't have a history and who do you think you are and stop whining. Yeah. Stop making it like you um, deserve some kind of certain attention. I don't, yeah. I don't even yeah, yeah. know how to word it, but it's this constant push. And I think this whole story was about that. Yeah. And that's what set off the community. We're tired of being told that. Yeah. We're tired of being treated that way. And what, what louder way to say that than to say, we don't need this position. Yeah. This it's not needed yeah. in a state that has, I mean, does New York have the largest Italian American community in the country or is Jersey, maybe Jersey's larger? We're the largest group in the state. I learned that now through this. And that's, uh, those are facts that we, were presented to us, which was very comforting. I don't know if we have the largest by number. That's a good question. Maybe Jersey has more Italians. I, I w- would imagine they don't. Maybe Connecticut does. I don't really know. But the, the fact of the matter is we're not living. It's not South Dakota. Yeah, yeah. We're, we, 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 where I mean, it's this. Maybe we represent a small percentage of the population. Yeah. The fact that this happened in New York is the story. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. So actually, I think that this incident shows that we do overwhelmingly see ourselves that way. The the few naysayers aside, and I think you and I want to talk about that a little bit. Why is that even there? But overwhelmingly, that's what this incident showed. Take the Italian community in New York seriously. They still see themselves as Italian. And why are we the only ethnic group that gets told your ethnicity and your identification with it doesn't matter, is irrelevant? Yeah. We want to, I just get have this feeling all the time that, you know, they, whoever they are, want to take it away from us. So they see it as a stubbornness. It's a thorn in their side. Yeah, I think it bothers people. I don't know. I don't get it. Like, you talk about whiteness in this country, right? Which is a huge issue right now on so many levels. And you have all extremes of the spectrum and, you know, concepts of white privilege. And so, you know, we've had reactions, people who are like, you can't complain about this um, portrayal or the conversation on this TV show because, you know, you, you don't even see how privileged you are to be considered white in this country. Or we've had others who say, you know, we, we don't think of ourselves as white in this country. There's a whole sort of varied response. Yeah. But ultimately, the bottom line is whiteness has come to represent some sort of economic and social acceptance. And that's not for me to opine on it's not for us to opine on for me the point is like what makes you part of that if it's almost like they're dragging us kicking and screaming into that right which is which is wild because yeah we have after multiple generations of you know our community came in the greatest numbers between the 1870s 80s 90s into the 1920s when they finally changed the law so that we could not come in great numbers let's let's point that out the first quotas on immigration in the history of this country in 1924 were aimed at southern europeans which is a colloquialism for italians greeks jews and you know uh, in some cases portuguese but like we were quoted against there was a restriction on how many of us could come because we were so we were coming in such numbers and we were frankly unwanted so let's like address that history right 
and it's like we're being dragged kicking and screaming into this mainstream that like yeah there are there are great benefits to being considered part of the majority in this country absolutely that's part of the problem we do have issues in this country that has to be addressed about race and ethnicity and people's access to things and racism that's real but that doesn't mean that we can't be the um we we like we 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 everybody just assumes we're on the side of the of that dilemma and that identity dilemma that like we've sort of like made it past and so like oh just laugh it off but yeah you know what it hurts and 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 a point that i really want to make here is one about this whole platform because you know none of us are feeding our families off of the italian american podcast there's a lot of sense of community service to this and preserving stories and giving people access to their history and culture and and digging into these important issues I guarantee you we're the only podcast for our community that's having this conversation right now, to Pat's point, to serve as this kind of NPR. But at the same time, this is a whole question of what does it mean when you put yourself out there trying to do something like this, engaging in social media to spread what you're trying to do, and then have people like, you know, I watched that clip on the video and I was first and foremost offended by the lazy humor of it. It was like, you know, really? That's what you think of Italian affairs? It's like, you know judging meatballs and marinara and stuff like that. But more importantly, that was my friend on that screen. So we're human beings, you know, like you're my family. Mm. And am I supposed to sit there and take it because Italians do on average have more access to a better life in this country after 150 years? Does that mean like we have sacrificed our right to feel for ourselves on a personal and professional and community level. It's just crazy to me. It's like, why, why is that taken away? Also, does it erase our history? Right. I think that's the thing. And I think about a lot that this is a pattern of assimilation, I think in this country. And I sometimes want to look at the Latino community and say, wait till they come for you. Yeah, you're right. You're absolutely right. Wait, Wait another 50 to 75 years when more and more of your daughters and sons marry other cultures and your children are no longer considered part of their cultures, part of their ancestral cultures. And the next group, whatever it is, decides that your history and what you've endured no longer matters because you're just considered part of this greater white story. Yep. And they're going to try to erase you. Yeah. Yeah. I, I couldn't agree more. And like, that's what happens. That's what happens. And that's what's happening to us. I think we're the last ethnic group of that kind of great migration that I think took, we took the longest to assimilate. Completely. And why is that? Because we took the longest to be accepted by greater society. I mean, it, it was like the eighties that we started to be, you know, allowed to even be taken seriously in interviews at financial institutions and universities. It's yes. It's not a long time ago. No. I mean, I was alive then. Yeah. And you know, it's funny you say that because like, this is my passion for the history, right? Like I, one of the items in my collection that I love the most is a New York times magazine article cover story from 80, gosh, two, three, four, something like that about the eighties as like this Italian American decade. And there was Coppola and Scalia and uh, Lee Iacocca and all these, you know, prominent Italian Americans that were sort of coming into their own, you know, you see coverage of more recent immigrant groups like that now. So you think, okay, I was alive when that came out and that's not that long ago, although we are getting increasingly old and, you know, 
maybe we're the last group to have hit assimilation from that great migratory period that just completely revolutionized this country, kind of post-Civil War to pre-World War I. Um, not that immigration has stopped, obviously. That's the great gift of this country is that it's here for people and should be here for people. But in some ways, while we may be the last to assimilate, we also may be the first to look at that assimilation process and go, hey, wait a minute, we don't want to be the mainstream, mm. you know? Because mm. why is it that mm. 50 years, let's say, into the real arc of this assimilation, right, 30, 40 years ago, but, you know, obviously it started earlier, there are so many people looking backwards and saying, no, I want to keep a lot of this, you know? I don't want to be just another quote-unquote white American person who maybe keeps a, a recipe or two like no i want to know more i want to know and that that's that is the difference in what we are trying to do here at this platform and why i fell in love with it when i met you and anthony than any other group i've ever seen because so many other groups are out there like either let's just celebrate how great we've done they're talking about it like it's a fait accompli and they just want to like put the biography of prominent italian americans in front of everybody and say like don't forget we're here we arrived other groups are like, let's fight this, and somehow we're going to live like Italian Amish people and like re- reject everything else. And here we are trying to say, like, you know what? This is a complicated thing, identity. So mm. we, we, all five of us, are different versions of this trajectory. And so if we can meet other people who are different versions and talk about what makes us similar, what makes us different, what are the sort of core values, if there are any, and what are the things that we can offer up that are worthy of being evolved forward into this new identity and sort of, you know, live in both of those worlds. I think that's what this whole platform's about. And I think it's unprecedented. I really do. I don't see other communities that came in the numbers during the eras that we came with these same kind of institutions. It's just, you know, there's not yeah. the the same community awareness. And so it's almost like we can't be taken seriously because people are like, why are you still here? Why are you still doing this? Like we're a different thing. Yes. Why are you still here? Why? That's exactly the phrase. And one of the things I repeated in my statement was we are still here. Mm -hmm. And I know that that bothers you. (laughs) It does. Yeah. I just, I know, I know viscerally, I know that for instance, right now, the last thing this new administration wants to do is find an Italian affairs liaison. Yeah. I assure you, yeah. they do not want to deal with it. Of course not. And the community has pressured them to deal with it, to basically force them to say, to realize, to acknowledge yeah. that we are still here. Yeah. And there's this thing that's being said that's not being said, which is, your group doesn't matter. And you know that, right? I mean, right. right? You know, yeah. you know, you don't matter, yeah. right? And they want us to play by those rules, by that worldview that they have created. And I think everyone's just tired of it. We, we won't. You know what it, it makes me think? It dawned on me while you're talking. Why are you still here? You don't need to be here economically anymore. And that's because... They've made ethnic identity in this country because of access to power and resources. Mm. It's identity politics. Your ethnicity is not dependent on your self-identification, whether they want you to think that or not. It's dependent on your 
access to resources. So you are an ethnic group if you still need to be an ethnic group, if you still need to catch, like that's what defines ethnicity in this country, some some sort of need. Like you're only self-identified because you, you have, it's it's a lesser position, right? Like a, you, you, you need to catch up. And I think we may be the first at saying like, no, no, no. We're here because we want to be here. And yes, yep. if you took away the last names and the and the markers and you sort of blind tested and you just looked at everybody's economic position, maybe we have done well enough in this country where we're in the mainstream. And we, you know, we know Italian Americans have succeeded in every field and, and, and across the country. That's not to say there aren't still needs in our community in individual cases. But my point is like, why does ethnicity have to be based on the fact that it's somehow like holding you back or it's a weakness or it's something you have to overcome. That's what this tells me is that mm. the mainstream views ethnic self-identification as something that holds you back. And it's great to unite around your ethnicity until you don't need to anymore. And that's horrible. That's absolutely the opposite of everything that we stand for. And I think that that's the real story in our conversation and, and why it's been weighing on me so much because yeah. What if we just want to be here and be different? You know, what if that's what makes us great? We have so much to be thankful for. We have so much to be aware of in our history. And we do have issues that need to be addressed. And uh, I think it's unprecedented in a lot of ways. This November, we're thankful for family, friends, and our connection to Italy. Come together as a family this season and enjoy the variety of top-notch entertainment and news programming Mediaset Italia has to offer, including new limited drama series Luce dei Tuoi Occhi, about a mother on a quest to learn the truth about her daughter, reality series Amici and Grande Fratello V, whose twists and turns will keep you glued to your TVs all winter, plus hard-hitting and thought-provoking news and magazine programs covering both Italian and world issues. Call your local television provider and ask for Mediaset Italia. And add some Italian-American flair to your feed on Instagram by following us at Mediaset Italia USA. Okay, I think a lot of it is this ongoing relentless theme, which is La Familia. Yeah. I think that we have such a fierce genetic connection to the family, which includes your ancestors and your descendants. So for instance, the few comments, they were not many compared to no. the rest of the comments, but you know, they stand out because that's what happens in social. You, you like, you know, you notice them, but, but we also want to, we're also bringing them out because we want to talk about it Absolutely. about this aspect of this. So the few comments where people said things like, well, I'm Italian American. This doesn't bother me. Lighten up. Yeah. They were joking. Yeah. Yada, yada, yada. I would say to that person if you don't care for yourself care for your ancestors yeah and i think that's the really the bottom line for so many of us yeah because personally i mean i was literally it was my name yeah. in that yeah. skit he doesn't get closer to it than that yeah and i could kind of shrug it off personally yeah because I mean, I was raised to know my worth, so it's, it doesn't impact me. But I think one of the most telling parts of that video, and I understand they were quote unquote joking. I get it. Sure, yeah. I actually have a very good sense of humor. You know that. I do, yeah. Absolutely. <laughs> yeah. But I think one of the most inadvertently revealing parts of that video is when the 
producer tells them my name, something like Dolores has a podcast. It's hosted by Dolores Alfieri Taranto and Anthony Fasano, because they must have not done very good research, not surprisingly. And <laughs> they just thought, you know, just me and Anthony who started it. And when those, they said our names, these heavy Italian names, the two hosts were like, whoa. Yeah, yeah. And I, I forget what they said, but it was some kind of comments along the lines of, you know, those are like the names of hitmen. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Right? Because they are so ethnic. Yeah. That was, to me, very revealing of, yeah, no matter how much we do enter society or are successful financially and in other ways, my name still carries something to you. Yeah, exactly. And it's not even my, Dolores isn't even my real legal na- name. Real name, yeah. Yeah, I mean, you want my real Italian legal name and talk about ethnic. Yeah. So what am I, I don't, I don't really, really know what I'm saying, except maybe that unlike almost any other group that's now assimilated, our name still has that something to it. Stigma. Yeah. You know, it's heavy with something. It's dripping with something. Yes. Yeah. And, and you know, it's funny, like, I'm with you, right? It's not the lazy humor that's offensive. It's not the Sbarro jokes, even though, for the record, folks, Sbarro was founded by an, an Albanian immigrant family, just so everybody understands that. Um, <laughs> it's the, it's the you know, like, a lot of the comments that were, you know, don't be so sensitive, basically said, like, oh, you know, put your head down, like, you know, this stuff, it's weak to take umbrage with this. And some people said, like, it's nowhere near as bad as other groups have. It's like, yeah, I acknowledge that. Because we don't have it the worst of everybody doesn't make it okay. But that's the victim society we live in. Yeah, it's crazy. And then and then you have you other know? people accusing us of being playing victims and not being strong enough. Like, oh, you know, you shouldn't complain. Somebody called us, a couple of people called us like, but weak or but soft or something. I don't even know what that means, but like <laughs> that may be a new thing. I have no idea. I, but it's like, no, I'm not being weak here. I, I I'm, I'm pointing out that we need to be better than this as a country. And look, there were some comments that, unfortunately, people who agreed that this was unacceptable and then just turned right on the other foot and said nasty stuff about these guys and other groups. Like, oh, you know, what if I said X? You know, you can't do that either, guys. Like, we yeah, have to yeah, be that's not what we're saying. Better. Yeah. We have to we right. have to be better. And we and we're not saying like, you know, use this unfortunate incident to then just turn and be disrespectful to other communities. We're saying, look, right. it's right that our country is going through questions on how do we respect one another more. That's the, the, the diversity in this country is what makes it amazing. We are the evidence of that. So this is not about like everybody get back into your camps and your shells. This is about let's administer that kind of respect evenly. And because we have been convinced in some cases, our own community has been convinced that we don't matter because we don't have the economic need that is associated with ethnic identity, somehow we should just be like, okay, we got lucky, and because we do have it economically better as a community now after 150 years, we should be okay being lampooned in this sophomoric way with the same old tropes and this, like you say, insinuation of like, oh, somehow Dolores and Anthony's names are automatically going to carry the sentiment of some kind of thuggery, like... 
what are we talking about here? And 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 it's just it's right. the golden rule. It's it's what's lost in humanity. So just treat people, put yourself in their position first, and then open your mouth. That's how right. I believe we should live. That's being right. lost in this abusive approach to ethnicity, and for better or worse, what we've chosen to do with our time, energy, resources, and and lives is focus on these questions of ethnicity. So, you know. Would it have been easier to just say, ah, ignore it, doesn't matter? Yes, it absolutely would have. We would have had a much easier weekend. None of us would have to worry Ugh. about this. But on one end, it would have been it, nice. It, yeah, it's important. Well, I wanted to bury it. I don't want it. I don't want like a video where my name is being joked about and slung around like that out there. I, I would rather have done anything else yeah. than posted it. Yeah. But it's important. It, that, and, and like, and I wish people understood A, if you don't think it's important to the community, that's fine. We do. We have different approaches to community. That's fine, too. B, we all have this horrible dehumanizing around people who are out there in the ether. And it's like, look, yeah, we choose to do this show, so you have to be you know, open for some criticism. There's plenty of people who criticize things we say, topics we talk about, things we, you know, the way we do things, who we are. Okay. But this is really personal now. Right. And you got to remember there are human beings at the back end of this thing who do love one another. Are for, you know, talk about like the, the veil between the real and the fake. I remember the first time we did an event pre-COVID when me, Pat, and Rosella got active on the show. It was awesome. We got to meet. It was my first time meeting any of the listeners. And one of them sort of pulled me aside. I was like doing something and said, like, are you guys really friends? Like, you know, like, <laughs> is this like, and I thought to myself, wow, you know, first of all, people actually genuinely look at what we're doing and think like expect some staging to it right so that was sort of relevatory and two it dawned on me that there is a difference between me john viola viola whatever you call me <laughs> off mic and you dolores alfieri taranto or adolorato or however you know i call you kuma mm-hmm. and then mm-hmm. the, the the person that's up there and choosing to utilize themselves as a vehicle for a, a wider conversation and um I don't know. We can't go out into the world assuming people are going to care or be empathetic. But I do wish there was more empathy sometimes because yeah. you work really hard to do this stuff. You do. And and the funny thing is some of the – I wondered, some of the people who made those comments, I was thinking, are they listeners? Mm-mm. Do you listen to the show? No. Or do you – why are you following us? <laughs> yeah, it's a great question. And why are you here? Why yep. are you here? Yeah. <laughs> You know, and, and some of the comments back to people like that were great. It was it was listeners saying, you know what? Maybe it didn't bother me that much either, that video. But this is about an issue that we really cared about. Yeah. And they were mocking it. Yeah. This this issue of the new governor of New York State eliminating the director of Italian affairs position was a important issue to us. And you mocked it. Yeah. And you did it for the same reason the new governor did it because you thought nobody would say anything because that's what everybody thinks about Italian Americans. And we're still here and we're going to say something. I don't know. I try very hard to be respectful of everybody's opinion and just know, like you can't put a pin on what it means to be Italian American. There's no, everybody who self identifies is, you know, but the fact that some people from our own community, and again, might not be listeners who then turned and said like, Oh, you guys are weak. And like, I'm not following. I'm like, so you would rather we – you're following this stuff because you identify, but you'd rather we didn't care 
and you'd rather we just sort of ignored it. And somehow, for responding to something so juvenile and distasteful with what I thought was a tasteful, patient, and empathetic reaction, somehow that makes me weak. You just can't win sometimes. You're like, you know. Yeah, I know you can't. <laughs> what the heck, right? Like, yeah. And I, I guess mean, you got to just... I- Thick skin, I guess. You roll with it. Yeah, you thick skin. I mean, you know, we make jokes in the background and support one another. And that's yeah. what we do. Whatever. Yeah. I don't care. <laughs> yeah, I, I know. But but I think the reason we're taking so much time to talk about it, okay? So, you know, someone listening can say, well, if you don't care, why are you talking about it so much, right? And I think, for instance, we talked about before we started recording, you know, how, what is that? And what is that that makes some people in the community not see this as something they should care about? And A, it makes me feel like a failure in a way, right? How is this message not getting through? But B, I did a little bit of self-reflection as I want to do. And I thought, you know, once upon a time when I was much younger and I really didn't understand so much of what I've learned through doing this show and my job working for the governor, et cetera, I might've thought something similar. I might've thought something along the lines of, oh my gosh, you know, we're not being discriminated against now. We are fine. Get over it. What's the big deal? Yeah. So that thought leads me to think it is this lack of understanding, this lack of really self-awareness, this lack of knowing what the people who brought you to this country endured. Yeah. For you to be able to sit there on your phone and make a comment like, this doesn't bother me. Yeah. It's like, talk about privilege. Yeah. Wow. That was good. That's Pat would say as a mic drop. Yeah. Talk about, <laughs> talk about, talk privilege. about privilege. Yeah. You, and, and I, that as somebody who's so interested and, you know, connected to this idea of being rooted to our culture, our history, our ancestors, its practices and its traditions. I couldn't help but feel as I read some of those comments that it was an expression on some level of an unacknowledged self-hatred. Yeah, I kept thinking the same thing, which is I, I, really? I said, yeah, I kept saying to myself, like, it's unfair to me to utilize the even in, in my own inner monologue, the term self-loathing, but it felt very mm. self-loathing. Self-lo- it's like, yes, you know, yes. like, oh, like, you know you're weak or, oh, other people have it worse. Like, yeah, uh, uh, absolutely other people have it worse. But if you don't understand yourself, you don't understand Mm -hmm. the story that brought you here and your ancestors and your history. And forget, understand understand doesn't mean, you know, you have to know, like, Pat, the Wikipedia of the Italian-American experience. It means you have to be empathetically (laughs) self-reflective. If you can't do that, your approach to every other group is basically you're just putting them in a victim role. Because if you don't, mm. if you don't, you have no empathy, you have sympathy, and sympathy does nothing. Mm. Empathy does everything. So if you're That's the person really well who's said. like, oh, we're fine, and you know, it, it, forget everything else, and, and worry about these people, it's like you know, you're coming from a good place, trying to be thoughtful to other groups that do have it worse, but you're doing it, you're you're living that same sort of paternalistic mentality that we're trying to move right. away from. You don't realize it, and God forbid you should even that your head might explode if you had to address that. Right. But it's the same sympathy versus empathy, and like, you know. We don't talk about this stuff because it's a time when you, it's a third rail you don't want to talk about. But I remember early on after the murder of George Floyd and everything that was going on in the country, I was on YouTube watching videos about uh, ancestry. And I stumbled on to 
some of the kind of who do you think you are projects, uh, Henry Louis Gates and the African-American experience. And I started watching them because I found them very, very interesting. And that led me through a recommended YouTube video to this video about, and it was old, it was pre-George Floyd, about a group of African-Americans who had visited Ghana, uh, had taken DNA tests, found that their ancestors had roots in Ghana and those areas on the west coast of Africa, and had visited and decided to relocate there and how it had changed their lives. This one woman was driving and she said, like, it was the first time in my life that I get up in the morning and get in my car and I get to say, I don't have to say I'm a black woman. I could just say I'm a woman. And it took me back right away. And I've always thought of myself as a pretty empathetic person because I care about this stuff. But this particular video took me whole heart, mind, and soul into the first time I set foot in Italy because I had a much different economic and social experience than an African-American in this country growing up as a you know third-generation Italian-American, second-generation. Uh, but we moved to a place where there were no Italians, and I got made fun of a lot for my heritage, and I felt weird, and I felt weird about the fact that my grandfather walked around picking up dandelion leaves off of people's lawns, and we were different, and we... You know, everything, we were just different than this Irish community we lived in. And then when I was 12, we went to Italy. I had this amazing moment that probably led me exactly to where I am right now doing this with you, which was, oh my gosh, this is my world, right? Like, I, like I, ha- I have this. And then I thought, as I'm watching these videos, that for many African Americans and many ethnic groups that have come to this country, they can't even say I have this. Many people can't even find those roots. So from an empathetic standpoint, that's how I want to live. I want to know how much my ethnicity means to me and defines me. And I want to respect the fact that many people don't have that feeling of safety and belonging and they don't have it every day in their lives and they haven't had it for generations. And if I can utilize my experience to explain how important that is, share how to access it, because it could be any group, doesn't have to be Italian American. And hopefully one day when the resources are available, provide people and Americans of all ethnic backgrounds the opportunity to have that aha moment, whether it's overseas in a place where you have ancestry or here within your own community, that aha moment of you belong to something greater than yourself, it's defined my whole life. And I I think that that's empathy when it comes to these things. And I wish other people had it for us. Yeah, beautifully said. And that's also why it's dangerous to capitulate to yep. this push as we're describing it, because what they want is to erase you. Yeah. And they want to erase what really makes you, you, which is your heritage and your ethnicity and your roots and your culture. They want to take that from you. And maybe that sounds crazy to some people, but it's a fact. And once you lose that, you're going to get sick in many ways, you know, mentally, spiritually, physically, your family starts to fall apart, you know, this is a pattern. And if you just look around at the world, you're especially at this country, why are so many people isolated? Why are so many people depressed? Why are so many people anxious? Well, so many people are way down the uh, assimilation ladder and they don't know who they are. Yeah. You know, and you try to find out who you are through pop culture. Yeah, that's exactly right. 
it's this bubblegum version of identity. It's not real. It's not real. It's, it's it doesn't feed you. No, it does, you can chew your whole life, but it's you get exactly no sustenance right. out of it. That's exactly right. That's yep. right. That's why I understand why people are saying like, don't be victims, because we've conflated ethnicity with victimhood in this country. That's that's the bottom line to me. We've conflated ethnicity with victimhood, and that's horrible. And I don't want to be a victim, and we don't want to be victims. We want to be acknowledged as what we are. Correct. And respected for that. And because we've conflated ethnicity with limit and victimhood on average, there's a whole diabolical undertone to that because when you can cut a person off from their tree, from their branch, from their history, from their identity, right, then you can manipulate them more. That's because exactly right. Because you don't know who you are. And I'm not That's saying you have exactly to like right. you have to go make wine and, and jar tomatoes. Like I'm, You don't have to do anything different than you do now. Just be self-aware and know your history. It makes it a lot harder to sell you things that you mm-hmm. definitely need, right? Mm-hmm. Or, or yep. sell you on this like individualized approach to the world. You don't need family. You don't need anything greater than yourself. And like it's all about the individual and what gratifies you. That's the exact opposite and I don't care what your, how you approach your ethnicity, what your faith is, if you have one. It's like you could be individual. That's all well and good, but you come from something. You yep. didn't just spring up de novo from the world. Humans, there's nature, and then there's nurture, and those things impact you, both of them. You know, you're not a clean slate. Well, it's why I said about some of those people who made those comments that my thought was that it was a self hatred because this society and our history, if you know it, has encouraged that self-hatred. In fact, that self-hatred started in Southern Italy, as you and Pat know very well, as you guys know the history so deeply. Yeah. And Southern Italians still are internalizing that self-hatred about their region, their culture, their families, their languages. Yep. All of that is disregarded. And and we've talked a lot about on this show that, you know, growing up, we in our own ways felt it. And it's still there. There's this stigma. There's this push that you should look at yourself and you should look at your ancestors and think less of them yeah. because of the region they come from. Yeah. So that is a real thing that has been instilled in us, whether you know it or not. Yep. And those people who don't see why this matters, you are free to think whatever you want. I'm the first person to advocate that. But I do think there's a disconnect. And I think you think that way because you do not understand who you are and you do not understand where you come from. And you do not understand what the people who created you endured so that you could live here and make comments like this does not matter. Yeah. And this is my hill. Amen. Write and me I'm, letters. <laughs> Write I'm, me letters. I don't care. I'm yeah. not moving from this. <laughs> I'm with you on it. And as Pat, <laughs> um, let me do the best I can to channel the notorious POB and say, and if you don't like it, you don't have to listen. Yeah, you don't you have don't. to follow us. You don't have to listen. You that, That's the problem today. People are more drawn to following things that yep. they can attack than things that they can embrace. A mystery. Such a mystery to me. It's crazy. It's crazy. Because if I don't like what you're saying, I just stop listening to you. Yeah. that's. I think that's because you know you belong to something greater. I, and when oh, you don't amen. know you belong to something greater, <laughs> you just want to be out there opining on everything you dislike more than embracing the stuff you like. And 
you, ladies and gentlemen, who are in that camp, seek help. Uh, let me channel Pat. <laughs> find a hobby. Find something you love, something you belong to. Maybe it's a yeah. bowling league. I don't know. Yep. But why waste your time trolling around this great wide web of ours that could be a font of so much interesting information and uh, so many wonderful traditions, but you're scrolling around it looking for stuff mm. to shit on. And frankly, mm-hmm. I don't get it. I don't think anybody at this platform gets it. And, uh, you know. But we should follow. say before we sign off that we should talk for a minute about the overwhelming support. Yeah, it's been amazing. It's been <laughs> and, the, and the amount of people who do get it. Yep. And I, I think that that is that has definitely been the most heartening thing this past week and why I keep saying I'm the sacrificial lamb. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You know, someone texted me on Saturday morning when she saw the video and the post about it. And she said, I just, I just feel so like my heart is with you that this keeps going on and on and it's your name. And I said, I'm the sacrificial lamb. Yeah. And she was, she said, I, I actually was thinking the same thing, which is, it has to happen. You know what I'm saying? This had to happen. Yeah. I would have rather said to you, John, don't post that video. Yeah. You know, but I knew that our community, the people who do get it, the people who do understand the people who have been listening to us and they have learned their history and they have reconnected to their roots and their traditions. And they do understand what their ancestors went through. Those people needed to know this was going on. Yeah. They needed to understand it. And, and also they, everyone else, meaning like the wider society needed to see the groundswell that is still possible. You know what I'm saying? They needed to see how strongly we are, we are resisting your push to erase us. Yeah. It felt a lot like the series I tried to do on Columbus day because I wanted to say to people, like, this is an evolving opinion for me. People are deeply divided in our community on this. Mm. That's okay. That's mm-hmm. okay. And it, is a, and it is a contentious issue. It's a really delicate and sensitive issue. My feeling has always been, let me just be like a, a an unbiased tour guide if I can. So people can, I can ask the questions that I think other people are asking and may not have the time to sort of research and make the calls and have these things and interviews and stuff, right? But people have said, like, Columbus Day is going to galvanize our community. And it has garnered a response from a significant portion of the community. There's also a significant portion of the community that disagrees with that response. This is not that. This is Mm. the overwhelming response has been, this is not okay, and we're part of something here. And and it makes me feel better, even though my friend has to be out there as the sacrificial lamb, so to speak, to see our community care about this than an issue that, is rightfully controversial in something like Columbus Day or something like the right. statue. Yes. You know, yeah. like, yeah, there there are definitely two sides to that coin. And I I don't know, I find myself agreeing with both of them and disagreeing with both of them at different points. But this is something I cannot see disagreeing on. It's just a an overwhelmingly total there wasn't. Yeah, and then yeah. An over, and that made me feel great that overwhelmingly, yeah, overwhelmingly there, wasn't. there there yeah. wasn't disagreement yet. Yeah. I think that one thing we can leave listeners with is I didn't know myself until relatively recently, meaning, you know, the past handful of years that our ancestors were lynched in America. I didn't know until a handful of years ago that 
we were afraid of the KKK too. Yep. And I think that that is the biggest issue uh, kind of at the heart of this is not only does the greater society not know those two guys who were joking on their show and that's what they do fine. But I think what hurts underneath it is that, you know, that they don't know. Yeah. They don't know. And they don't care. And they don't care. They don't know. And they don't care. And so we're just supposed to laugh and move on. Yeah. And that, and that's what I was trying to say, which is like, if you're an empathetic human being, knowing all of this history that we do, it's a disregard. It's a disregard because what I say, like, you wouldn't do that to any other group. And people go like, oh, other groups have it worse. You don't, I'm not comparing how bad we have it. I'm not cross-victimization here. I'm just saying have that general respect and care. And you don't have to know the history. If, you, if it doesn't matter to your life, fine. But just be sensitive for crying out loud because it is hurtful. Make the assumption that we have a history. Exactly. That's all we're asking for. Make the assumption that we have a history and we are a distinct community that deserves the same respect that everybody else is being prescribed right now. That's all. That's a good thing that we're prescribing more respect and understanding. Just extend that to us. That's all I'm asking. Exactly. Either we all decide that we're going to laugh at everything again. Yeah. Or we all get respected. Yeah. That's exactly right. It should that's be. It. That's real equality, right? That's right. real equity. Is right. everybody gets the good treatment, or everybody's insensitive to it, and, right. and that you know. So like, it's pretty simple. It's all. Yep. It's all I think we deserve. And and I think had the governor's Italian affairs liaison been somebody that I knew casually, I would be offended, but I wouldn't be so vitriolic. But it's my friend. It's somebody I spend a lot of time with, somebody I love very much. And, uh, you know, we joke about it sometimes, but like, you know, you're over there with your son who is my godson. That's a real yeah. relationship. And I just yeah. can't, yeah, I can't see your picture pop up and just sort of take it, you know? Well, thank so. God for that. I mean, this definitely, this definitely hit close to home for us. <laughs> How much closer can you get? Yeah. I mean, what kind of family are we going to be if we don't say a peep about this? Yeah. Exactly. I don't want to be part of that family. I'll tell you that. No, much. me neither, because I, I have to say, and I've said this to many people this past week, that the only thing that could be worse than having your name dragged through the newspapers and media of New York, yeah. <laughs> and I guess even the country in some respects, I mean, yeah. Showtime is not just based in New York. The only thing that could make that sting less is the overwhelming support that I have received from the community. Yeah. And that support isn't just outrage, which is a validation. Yeah. That's, I mean, people are more outraged than I was at yeah. losing the position. Yeah. And it's my income and my family's income and my, right. and four years of my life that I worked so hard and sacrificed so much for, as you know, very well, yeah. John, as, as my brother, you know, but that support was literal support. Like, like the um, the textbook definition of support, something that holds something else up. Yeah, I was able to to weather this because I had so much of that. I felt the community, our listeners, the greater Italian American community, holding me up. That's what we're here for. That's what this is about. Hundred percent. Hundred, and it, and it, it it's like when you have a good family. And you know that no matter what risk you take, how 
flat on your face, you fall. You always have people there to catch you. And that's what this felt like for me. And I would say to our listeners, that is a huge validation that we are doing something right Yeah, as a community because we are still here for each other. And I want to really take a second to thank everybody who DM'd me, you know, those who, who have my number, who texted me, who called me, people who commented on the posts, all the posts that, you know, we put out there, people who shared it and just expressed your support. Every one of those things made a really big difference. Thank you. Let me tell you, I remember having the conversation with Pat Harrison when I was at NIAF and she said, what is it about us that mm-hmm. we're so we care about this stuff and the community does have self-awareness and we're, we, we have this secret sauce, she used to call it. And it dawned on me and it's confirmed by this conversation that like, I think the reason people are so inclined to engage their Italian-American ethnicity all these generations later when we are not a group of need anymore. It's really an elective identity, which is a great thing, is because the hallmarks of who we are are the hallmarks of family and love of family and respect for the institution of family. And I don't mean traditional family, any of that. I mean, you know, like I always say, sharing blood makes you related, sharing values makes you family, belonging to something greater. That's our greatest strength. That's what our ethnicity is. It's what it was in Southern Italy when we had a complete detachment from the way the institutions worked. It was when we came here and that, that detachment grew and we were even more foreign. And it's what we are today, even as we understand and engage those institutions. It's that the ultimately... It's about family, and that means however you define family, like you and I are family, Mm. you have something greater than yourself, which is a strength and a net where you can fail at everything. You could lose the comforts of your life and, and, and income and this. As long as you have a table to go back to with people who love and respect you and food to eat, you're going to get right back up. That's what this is all about. It's that you can never completely fail when you belong to that greater love of family. That's just literally me. what you said to me when I first called you and said, they're getting rid of my position. I don't know yeah. if you remember. You yeah, literally course, yeah. said that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's what it is. And so I, I like the fact that we could do a show like this and just have, this is a real conversation beyond my sniffles or Angelo yelling or my dog barking. <laughs> I'm not going to edit it much because it's a real conversation. And from the very beginning, I I wanted to get engaged in this platform because I felt with the exception of trying all five of us to do this, we could really have these raw conversations because they're the ones we have on the phone, right? So yes, uh, I appreciate you giving yourself up for the community in the work you did and and here in this conversation that is a a sensitive one to have. And you know how much I love and respect you. And uh, I think you're doing the right thing for everybody. Well, I appreciate you saying that. I mean, I makes me want to vomit, but I, <laughs> I, I would yeah. rather, it's just hard. You have to know me to know how much I'd rather not do any of this. But, um, but anyway, you find a strength, right? You just say, you just find a strength. But uh, I, I think it was a great week in the sense that our community took, took some time to hear its own voice yeah, and to see itself in its own mirror. Yeah. You know, Amen. And, I, and that, yeah, and that was worth it, I guess. And as you said in your statement, we are still here. That's what it's all about. Well said. Love that. Well, you did say it. <laughs> I'm just <laughs> quoting you. 
said that? <laughs> <laughs> You're right, it I, was well said. You're right, I did say that. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, but I agree. Well said. Well, I hope everybody enjoyed this unique look into the people behind this platform. Uh, we were going to have a really sweet Thanksgiving episode, which we've now delayed. Yeah. It'll still be sweet. It'll just be post-Thanksgiving. So I guess Dolores and I get the wonderful joy of wishing everybody out there a very happy Thanksgiving, a healthy one, and a peaceful one. And uh, if there's one thing to be thankful for, it's familia, right? That's what it's all Amen. about. That's right. So, and your community. That's it. Don't let them take it away from you. Absolutely not. Hold on to that. Absolutely. And uh, I'm looking forward to our conversations off mic and uh, the projects that we're cooking up now. And oh, yeah. uh, it's going to be a lot of good stuff coming down the pipe from us. All so. right. New day. New day. Let's, mm-hmm. We're done with this. Nice little bow. Should we let people know that before we wrap up that I'm actually excited to be moving on? I feel like that's been completely lost in all of no, this. No, I, I think it's abundantly clear. <laughs> I, I honestly do. Okay. I think, yeah, I think, look, I, I mean, you know, you, I, I know you a long time. You've been ready for this for quite some time, and I think you've got a lot of great stuff with, you know, Bella Figura, your own show. It's second season just started. You and I, I hesitate to ever commit us on Mike to, I think we're working on some amazing stuff right now. Me too. And game-changing, amazing. I'm personally glad that you have the time and energy and uh, excitement to work on some stuff together because, yep. you know, what part of the reason I came on this platform was for us to work more closely together because I think we, we love it and we work well together. So a lot of great stuff coming. I, don't don't cry for Dolores, folks. <laughs> Dolores Amen. is going to be okay. Exactly. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> don't cry for Dolores. Exactly. But for everybody on the team... Thanks for listening to this really personal look at who we are. And uh, we can't wait to see you next week. Happy Thanksgiving. Happy Thanksgiving, everyone. Your life will be great.